0: So Money, episode 895. Liz Dennery Sanders, founder of She Brand.
1: You're listening to So Money with award winning money guru Farnoosh Tarabi. Each day, get a 30 minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh yourself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life?
0: Welcome to So Money.
1: This was just a a new low for me, and I saw an even greater need for women to step up and to use their voices and to not just ask for a seat at the table, because sometimes you don't ask for power, you just have to take it. I think it was, um, you know, our girl <laughs> Beyonce that said something like that.
0: What's your personal brand? Do you know you even have one? Welcome back to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today is Liz Denery Sanders. She's the founder of a company called SheBrand. At SheBrand, Liz and her team help companies with their brand development and positioning. She specializes in working with companies that market to and care about women. A longtime volunteer and mentor to underserved women and girls with organizations like Women in Need and Step Up Women's Network, Liz realized that she could focus her skills and experience specifically on the empowerment of rising influence of women. And she'll tell you her inspiration for She Brand partly came in the post 2016 election. And if you're listening and wondering, I don't have a company, I don't have a brand, you might want to think twice. You know, we all have personal brands, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not. And Liz has some advice for all of us when it comes to projecting our most authentic self and personal brand. Here's Liz Dennery Sanders. Liz Dennery Sanders, welcome to So Money. I'm really excited to learn all about the importance of personal branding. As a woman, you play a big role in helping women kind of self-identify and elevate their voices. Excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks
1: so much. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Let's dive right into it. You are the, the creative mind, the leader of an important brand, company called SheBrand that you founded really out of your volunteer work um, with the mission to elevate women's voices. And a lot of this has um, a financial underpinning, right? Um, yes. and, and I'd love for you to tell this story of how it came to be and kind of, you know, what the mission is. And frankly, for women listening and even men too, why is it important for them to be taking notes during this episode?
1: Well, you know, I, I really grew up in the publishing and fashion and advertising industries. I started my career in New York at, at Harper's Bazaar, and I really got to see firsthand how you know large fashion brands like Ralph Lauren and Versace and Oscar de la Renta put large scale marketing plans and advertising campaigns together, and and that was fascinating to me. And that was really sort of the the first driver I would say in my career. Um, you know when. When I left Bazaar, I started freelancing um, and doing marketing and public relations for a handful of fashion brands. And ultimately, when I moved to Los Angeles 17 years ago, I had started my agency, Dennery Marks, which was a marketing and PR firm, mostly for fashion, beauty, and some lifestyle brands. And I did that for a long time. Concurrently was also volunteering first in New York for an organization uh, called Women in Need, which served uh, at-risk women and their children. And then more recently, Step Up Women's Network um, here in Los Angeles that now has chapters all over the country in New York and Chicago and elsewhere. And after I had been running my business for about a decade, I was feeling a little bit unfulfilled, a little bit unchallenged. I I was looking for something more. And I was driving home from a meeting with a mentee through Step Up. Um, They have a great mentorship program um, for younger women. And I pulled over to the side of the road because the the name SheBrand had popped into my head. And I had been searching, mind you, for a long time of, you know, what's my next evolution? What's my next step? And the thought of, well, why can't I just use my 20 plus years of marketing and branding and PR experience to specifically help women? Because that's what I enjoy so much in my personal and philanthropic life. Why can't I create a business out of that? And that really was the iter- the first iteration of SheBrand. And that was back at the end of 2008. I literally, Farnoosh, within a couple of months, had downsized my agency. And remember, you know, that was really the beginning the of the session. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had lost a couple of clients. Um, you know, I held on to a small handful of clients because financially it made sense for me to do so while I was building another company. And so, you know, early 2009 that was the beginning of Shebrand and the intention really was to help individual entrepreneurs, individual women, small business owners as well as larger brands specifically get to the heart of why they're doing the work that they're doing, why is it important, how to communicate their message more effectively, how to create community around that message and stand out and, and become more successful. And it's hard to believe that that was 10 years ago.
0: Wow. And then you also mentioned that previously when we were chatting offline, that the election, the 2016 election, was yet another catalyst to kind of take SheBrand to where it is today. Yeah. um, I was really devastated
1: as, you know, millions of people, particularly women, were um, back on election night, uh, you know. And, and, you know, after drowning my sorrows in a bottle of wine with a couple of girlfriends and I picked myself up off the floor the next morning, you know, obviously the thoughts that, that were going through all of our heads at the time, you know, where, how could this have happened? And, you know, here was this, um, you know, highly educated, eloquent, um, unbelievably experienced woman. Um, you know, how could she have lost to, you know, just this, this buffoon. And it, it was really, really disheartening. Um, and I saw, I had seen it before, you know, when, when I was, 22, I, I wrote a letter to the editor. I, I'm from New Orleans, and I wrote a letter to the editor of the Times-Picayune, the, the local paper about abortion legislation and, you know, it, that uh, a politician's place is not um, monitoring a woman's body, that that is, decision is, is hers and hers alone and, and with her doctor. And so I, I was not immune to um, politics affecting women. Um, this was just a, a, a new low for me. And I saw an even greater need for women to step up and to use their voices and to not just ask for a seat at the table, because sometimes you don't ask for power. You just have to take it. I think it was, um, you know, our girl (laughs) Beyonce that said something like that, Um, you know, but Beyonce is not such a bad person to quote. But, you know, I I saw such a need for that. Um, And, you know, so she brand just. Continued, I saw the importance of connecting with women, helping brands to understand look, you know, women are making over 80% of purchasing decisions. And so you are ignoring them at your own peril. Um, and so, you know, what we really do is help brands understand, well, how do we engage better and connect with women? How do we create community with women? How do we show them that we care about them and that we care about their voices? Um, and so the, the election definitely was, you know, it just
0: put yet another fire under
1: me in terms of why this work is so important.
0: And so, take me through your work. Like, if a client comes to you, what is the the template? How do you work? I mean, obviously, there's not like a generic template, but I kind of want to just understand your day to day and like how you actually go about implementing all of these amazing, all this amazing work.
1: Absolutely. Well, so if if I'm working with um, an individual. Entrepreneur, a small business owner, we really start with the foundation, um, and it's one of the reasons that I wrote my book Style and Substance is because I saw so many women putting the cart before the horse when it comes to their marketing. You know, they they get swayed by every bright shiny object, and they think they have to be everywhere all at once, and they haven't taken the time to do what I call the sort of deep archaeological dig work, which is, you know, why am I even doing this work in the first place? Why is it important? what do I stand for? What is my mission? Who is my ideal audience or my ideal client? Who is she or he or them? And really defining that. Um, and so we take the time, we go through a step-by-step process of putting together a brand handbook. Um, and I can't tell you, it's it's so interesting, Farnoosh, it's not just your smaller business owners and your individual entrepreneurs who are neglecting to do this early on in the process, but I have worked with a lot of large, large, large brands who have not Taken the time to even put together this type of handbook. It's really interesting, I, you know. So, so regardless of whether we're working with an individual entrepreneur or a lar- larger brand who, you know, is doing a big campaign, we still go back to basics first, and then we build from there. Um, and so, you know, we might do the creative direction around a project, whether it's a website build or whether it's a particular, you know, social media um, campaign. Um, you know, we will do all of that work prior um, because it just makes it so much more resonant to the end consumer when you really understand her and you're able to communicate well.
0: And you know you could argue that we're living in, in a time and age where even if you're not an entrepreneur or a business or <clears throat> somebody who considers himself maybe like an influencer, everybody walking around whether you know it or not whether you like it or not, you're cultivating a personal brand. Yeah. People see you in a certain way, whether that's intentional or not. So for everyone listening, let's kind of democratize personal branding here and, and give some pointers for everybody who wants to project their best self and their most authentic self. I think that's the key too, right? How do you kind of formulate this brand, which is this, you know, it takes a lot of consciousness to do that. And but at the risk of that, maybe you overdo it or you do it in a way that's influenced by what you think you're supposed to be projecting. It's not authentic. So there's a fine line and I'm sure you you have a lot of ideas and strategies and you've come across this a lot. So would love your take on this.
1: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head because the reality is you know, regardless of whether you're a business owner, you know, an individual, an artist, it it doesn't matter because you are a brand, whether you are intentional about it or not, because the truth is people are going to think things about you. They're going to say things about you, um, regardless of whether you have been intentional in the process. I, I think Jeff Bezos said it best years ago. He said, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. Your brand is hmm. you know, the thoughts and the images, the words that come to mind when people think about you. So it's actually the real estate that you own in someone else's mind. And mm. I, I do believe that we all have the power to influence that in your words, by being intentional. So an exercise that I really like to take clients through um, is imagine that you are the invisible woman at a cocktail party. And there are people there, you know, maybe there are, you know, some acquaintances or co workers, maybe a few friends, and also people that you don't know. And you walk up to a group of three or four people, and they are talking about you. What are the three or four words that you would most want them to use to describe you. Hmm. And if you can come up with those words, that becomes your brand filter, right? And so if you come up with words like calm, intelligent, gracious, for example, then you constantly want to be asking yourself, how can I be more calm, more gracious? How can I position myself as, you know, a smart and intelligent individual when you are considering activities that you participate in or, you know, if you're a business person building your website, you want to think about these words, these brand attributes, if you will, and ask yourself if you are conveying these attributes in everything that you do, in how you treat other people, in how you interact. If you are, you know, doing a speaking gig, if you are building a website or creating an event, always keep your brand attributes in the back of your mind. Okay. (laughs) And
0: so you've obviously done this exercise for yourself. What are the four words that you would like people to think of uh, when they think of you? Well, I've used a couple of them. Um,
1: gracious is definitely one. Um, intelligent is another. And creative is is one of my words as well, because we are a creative firm. And obviously, my words for SheBrand and for myself lead into each other. Because for a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, um, you know, we so embody the work that we are doing and we bring so much of ourselves into our work. So there's a lot of crossover.
0: I think this would be a good exercise applied to your financial life. Like if you were to give your financial life a brand, (laughs) Mm. what are the words that you would like for it to emulate, you know, organized, structured, stable, stable, <laughs> reliable, abundant. Yes. Um, a lot of words, it's a long list of words, I think. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I, I think this process
1: can be applied in a lot of different ways very successfully.
0: So, speaking of money, Liz, I'd love to learn maybe a little story or a big story about growing up. Um, and a money memory that really impacted you.
1: Mm. You know, I don't remember how old I was. I, ha- I have a younger brother who's almost five. He's like four and a half years younger than me. And I remember I must've been about eight. Um, I remember we really wanted to, um, do have a lemonade stand, um, and it was my first foray into making money myself. Well, with my with my younger brother, um, but actually earning the money and then being able to keep it and being able to decide. Oh well, you know, I want to go to the store and buy that piece of candy with the money that I made. Um, and I I distinctly remember you know, and I, I, maybe we made $5 <laughs> and split it. I don't remember how much it was at the time. And at the time that was a lot of money. Um, but I distinctly remember the feeling of empowerment at uh, approximately eight years old of earning that money and then being able to make a choice as to what I did with it. Now I spent it, I didn't save it. (laughs) (laughs) That may have have foretold some of my later years. Um, But I do remember that feeling of power of having something of my own and then being in choice, which if we fast forward to what we're talking about today, um, you know, and what is so important to me, for she brand, which is, I do believe that for women creating a brand and creating a business and being intentional about that can, can create a tremendous amount of freedom, which to me equals power. And I believe that, that, you know, having the financial wherewithal to do that is important today as a woman and as a feminist.
0: Preach. I love that story. It's okay if you spent the money. I mean, what you were like, how old were you, 11? I think, no, I
1: was younger. I think I was like eight or nine, because I think my brother was probably four or five. He was
0: little. Like, I did most of the work. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Um, Especially... Yeah, I'm just trying to think like my son was four and a half. Yeah, that would not have... uh, Almost five. He says four and three quarters. so
1: So our sons are pretty close in age. My son is turning six this week, actually. Oh, happy early birthday. Yeah, thank you.
0: Well, this question comes from our sponsor, chase, you know, it's the summer and depending on your lifestyle, your family, it could be a pretty expensive season. And so we're just curious, um, what are your plans to either save or splurge this summer? Hmm. Interesting.
1: Um, Well, I'm definitely splurging on a little trip uh, for Jack, my son, and me. We are going to visit some friends of ours uh, who live in North Carolina. We're either going to visit them there or they're renting a house at the beach um, in Savannah. So we may go um, for a few days to visit them there. So we're going to do that late July, early August. Um, And then in terms of savings, you know, it's interesting. I've been looking at that in my business in terms of what percentage, how much from you know, each project that we take on, what we have coming in each month, I, I'm really looking at how can I stretch myself to put more of that away um, you know, and or put it back into the business before using it for some other purpose. Um, so I'm actually being very intentional about that and looking at it right now. <laughs>
0: right now? <laughs> yeah, yes. As we speak. Yes. <laughs> okay. This month. Biggest money mistake, Liz. Was there an experience that then led you down a better path or big or small, you know, a learning lesson? We've all had them, even especially in our 20s. Yes.
1: Um, I would say definitely with my first business, my, um, PR agency, um, you know, we did very well for a long time. Um, I wish that I had saved more. Um, you know, I definitely was more, um, I wouldn't say frivolous. Um, although some might say that, um, with, with our spending. But because we were doing well, um, I I wish that I had put more away. um, Because what I found was when I did downsize my business, and the recession did hit, and I did lose a few clients, I did not have nearly as much of a buffer as I would like. Um, but, you know, as with all mistakes, we learn from them. And so now, you know, in this second iteration of my business life, um, you know, I'm always looking at, you know, how can I create a bigger buffer, a better buffer? How much do I need? Um, because when I did downsize, you know, 10 years ago, I needed to keep a certain number of clients, um, on board in order to build the new business, because I did not have the buffer that I would have liked to. So I I would say it was a mistake, but I really, really learned from it. And I, you know, as we always do.
0: Well, they say, you know, make the mistake once and move on. But if you make the mistake twice. Shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Liz, let's do some so many fill in the blanks. (laughs) This is when I start off a sentence and then you fill in the blank. So if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is give money to some of my family members and then
1: take an incredible trip.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking to the day, like if I won twenty-five million dollars, I don't know, maybe not won it, but maybe I earned it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I could sell a business or something, but so twenty-five million dollars, but then taxes. Taxes. So, you know, 15 million. Fifteen million hmm And then buying a property here in Brooklyn is like five million. <laughs> yeah, same with LA. So right. I mean, like, not of course the average price, but it is, you know, obviously a luxurious house. It's it's yes. you know, four to five million dollars. Exactly. And then I give it away too, because I don't want to give it away. It could go very fast. I guess is what I'm saying. Like it could yes. all like go very fast after a few allocations between the IRS property, donating it and helping family out. But look, we're not complaining. I'd happily accept that much money that's and shame. even less. I mean, it's yes. it's just more to the point that it can go pretty quickly. And especially if you don't have a plan and other people have a plan for you <laughs> and for that money, that's what happens a lot of times when people enter windfalls, whether that's inheritance or lottery or just a big, mm-hmm. big cash in. Well, it's interesting, you know, what you just said, the same could be
1: said for building a brand, right? Mm-hmm. You either have a plan and you're intentional about it, or you become somebody else's plan. You become, you know, the words, the thoughts, the images in somebody else's head, or what they're going to say about you versus being intentional about it in the first place. So, you know, branding and money, Mm -hmm.
0: there's, there are a lot of common threads. Totally, We should have you back on the show. (laughs) There's (laughs) more to discuss. But let's finish these uh, fill in the blanks. So the next question or the next fill in the blank is one thing that I spend money on that makes my life easier or better is? A dog walker. Ah. I have two shit pickles, Lola and Henry. What are they called?
1: They are the shit pickles.
0: Um, I don't think I've ever heard of that breed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> they are two little coton de tulier. I call them puppies, but they are not. They are 12 and 10 respectfully. Um, they are almost a part of the she brand brand. Sometimes I think Lola and Henry are, you know, more famous on Facebook than I am. Um, but they're adorable dogs, but very high maintenance. You know, some days I say I have three children, not one, but the best thing that I did was two years ago, I actually had a surgery. And so out of necessity, I needed to hire a dog walker, because I knew for about a month, I wasn't going to be able to walk my dogs. And so I had her come Monday through Friday, every morning at 8am. And I realized Oh my God, I need to take this off of my plate <laughs> long term. Not because I didn't enjoy the exercise, but you know, as you know, when you have a small child in the house, your mornings are a little crazy. And, you know, for me as a single mother, I can't just take my dogs for a walk in the morning and leave my son at home by himself.
0: So Well, you oh, can't maybe. leave your four-year-old, five six-year-old son at home alone. <laughs> <laughs> and he really doesn't Not unless you want to make the news. Exactly. So
1: I kept my dog walker and it's really the best investment
0: I've made in a long time. Hmm. My dogs
1: are happier. They're calmer. It's a win-win. It's a win-win.
0: Yeah. How about this? When I donate, I like to give to blank because... Hmm. So
1: (laughs) I'm a little bit all over the map, but I would say my top three are, you know, I, I often give to women's organizations, organizations that support women. Um, for me, there's a big crossover right now where, you know, it's, um, Planned Parenthood or Pro-Choice America. Um, you know, so, so Politics and women's rights often commingle for me in that area. And then I often give in the animal rights arena as well, being an animal lover.
0: Hmm. I love that. Hmm. And last but not least, I'm Liz Dennery Sanders. I'm so money because.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because I really care about other women's success and
0: making their mark because when one woman rises we all rise. Rising tide lifts all boats. Liz, thank you so much and we look forward to having you back on later as you know things evolve. The 2020 election would be interesting. Yeah, to, uh, to say the least to reflect on that cuz so many new women candidates Um, Oh, and there's just so much to break down about that,
1: even the lead up to the election. Yes, absolutely. I'd be happy to, Farnoosh. Thank you so much for having me
0: so much to Liz for joining us. Learn more about Liz at SheBrand.com. She's also on Instagram at SheBrandLiz. All this information is back at SoMoneyPodcast.com. You can listen to the episode, share it, and also send me a question for our Friday episodes by clicking on Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I hope your day is so money.